Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. In the summer title today is Comfort to Comfort. And uh, sometimes in life we have these moments when God throws us a curveball. And those curveballs just unravel us, do they not? They are those moments when, when, when things just come undone. And, and when they come undone, we're not sure what to do in life. Um, and they can be anything from a loss of a job, loss of a spouse, loss of a child, whatever that may be. And those things, uh, when they happen to us, we don't know where to turn. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to respond to that. And I'll be honest, as a pastor, in those moments, those are the hardest moments for me. Uh, because, uh, you know, people think, oh, pastor, you know what to do. I, I, I don't always know what to do. Uh, I go to hospitals. I go to nursing homes. I go to, I go to bedsides. I go to homes to visit. And sometimes the, the best thing I know to do is just show up and, and not say anything. Because I don't know. I, I, I can't answer the question because, you know, people will go, why did God let this happen? I, I'm not God. I don't know those answers. Tell me what would make me feel better. At this moment, I can't tell you anything. Oh, I can say God is in control, but would you, does that make you feel better? No, that doesn't make you feel better. Because you just experienced grief and loss. And as a pastor, I, I'll be honest, those are the moments I struggle. And so what I've learned over the years is the best thing I can do is just, just be there. And just be present. I can't imagine what some of you have gone through. Because to be honest, I still have both my parents. I lost my grandmother when I was eight years old. And so I, I don't know what that looks like. Both my grandfathers passed um, when I was adult I mean I, I can I know what that looks like my my one grandmother is still living 96 years old she's been the rock of our family she let me drink coffee when I was five that's that's her fault uh, you know why I drink so much coffee now it had a lot of milk in it at that time but it was coffee and I was excited um My only son still lives. I haven't gone through pain that some have. In 2013, Rick Warren, some of you know that name. Rick and Kay Warren went through an experience. And I, you know, I've learned from people who've gone through experiences. Rick and Kay Warren uh, went through an experience. This is their family. 
Rick and Kay Warren. He pastors at Saddleback. This is their three children. Uh, their oldest is their daughter, uh, um, Amy, Josh, and Matthew. Matthew's their youngest. Matthew was 27 in 2013. Matthew had um, lived a life of uh, dark depression, living with uh, <coughs> mental illness. One morning, one evening, he, he decided to take his life. And, you know, living a public figure as they do, you know, people thought they had the perfect family, perfect life. You know, he's a pastor. He's got to have a perfect life. Uh, Mike, you, you know, yeah, that's not always the case. And so, um, you know, they, they, they were troubled just as anybody else. After things calmed down and the family grieved and all, Kate, Kate Warren shared uh, something on her Facebook page that I think is, is great for everyone to hear when you talk about how to comfort people going through any type of issues. Um, she talked about true friends. True friends are there that after all is said and done, they're the, they're the people who, they don't pressure their friends to go back to their old self. They're not looking for that person to go back to the way they used to be. They're willing to accept them with all their scars and all the, the way they are today. Um, the way things are different. They embrace the now scarred life they, they've become. They love them and comfort them for who they are. They have compassion and they're not demanding for them to answer questions or press them to, to, to speak or or to speak up. They're just quietly there, quietly present, showing the surest expression of God's presence and God's mercy to their suffering friend. And by no means are they telling their friend it's time to move on. That's coming from someone who's, who has been through pain and has experienced comfort. This morning, as we look at 2 Corinthians, we're going to read Paul's words, and I want you to read them from a guy who's experienced pain. Because Paul's experienced a lot of pain. In fact, he's experienced pain from this church. This church has hurt him so bad that no one would have, have uh, no one have, would have argued if he'd have thrown his hands up and said, to heck with you. I hope you rot 
and H-E-double-L. You deserve it. But that's not what he did. Let me give you a little background. In fact, let me give you the big idea and then I'll give you the background. So here's the big idea I want you to catch this morning. The big idea is this. God provides comfort to those who have placed their trust in Christ, which in turn allows them to comfort others. Let me say that again. God provides comfort to those who have placed their trust in Christ, which in turn allows them to comfort others. So here's, the, here's what happens. Paul, uh, Paul establishes the church in Corinth on his second missionary journey. And it's a, it's a funny thing. He stays 18 months. Now, Corinth would have been, by all measures, the, the, the mecca of church planning. In our day, Nam would have been like, ding, 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 ding. We've got to plant a church here. Uh, it, it was the prime location of all locations to plant churches. Um, if you're thinking about it in the sense of the United States, think of Las Vegas. Uh, cross with Atlanta. Uh, put the two towns together, you've got Corinth. Corinth is one of those towns that um, it's a seaport town, and so all trade comes through Corinth. And not just for Corinth, but all for the Mediterranean area. So major port town, major trade, major industry is going to come into that port and people are going to do major business there. Atlanta. Um, you think of all the businesses that are going to come in and out of there. Also, you've got a major sports town. There are two major games that happen out of, out of Corinth. You have the um, Olympia, Olympians. That's where we get the Olympian games. And then you get the uh, Isthmian games. Don't know much about them, but it's a major game like the Olympians. And so big sports town, big betting town, all that comes with that. And, and, and you get all sorts of things that come with, with that sports thing. Um, then you get, um, you get a lot of pagan, you get a lot of out-of-towners, you're going to get, um, you get a ton of of people who are constantly coming to this town for parties uh, because you get you're getting different cultures you're getting different uh you're get, getting different people even in pagan sense this is a town that's just growing by leaps and bounds for a lot of variety of reasons for for a whole lot of happening reasons so great place to start a church uh, they're all lost. They're all needing Jesus, and they're all and they all got a wild sense to to have a good time. So Paul starts the church there, establishes it on his second missionary journey. Uh, he stays eighteen months to start this church, and as he stays eighteen months, he's got Priscilla and Aquila there. They they're helping him start this church. Um, he gets the church up and going, and then Paul says, "Okay." As I normally do, I've got you up and running. I've got some faithful believers. You all are going. I'm going to leave. You keep this thing going, and I'm going to. And he leaves to go to Ephesus. While he's in Ephesus, oh, he learns that there's some issues going on in Corinth. Now, as I told you, it's a party town, and it had gotten one of those names associated with it. If you were called a Corinthianizer, 
It wasn't one of those things you ought to be proud of. It meant you were a drunk and an immoral. It meant you partied and you liked women way too much. And it wasn't women that were your wife. It was women of any sort. And he gets a letter that says, hey, we got these Corinthianizers who are church members. What do you mean they're church members? You can't be a Corinthianizer and be a church member. That's a little oxymoron. You know, that doesn't work out. So he writes them a letter. It's a letter we don't have in the New Testament. He writes them a letter and says, hey, you can't have these types of people in your church. You need to clean your church up, do some church discipline. They write back and go, would you explain what that looks like? To which Paul writes, and this is where 1 Corinthians comes into play. He writes clarifying all those issues in 1 Corinthians. And we read that in 1 Corinthians, and you can read 1 Corinthians and find in chapter 5 where he referenced, you know, I told you before, those types of things. As he writes 1 Corinthians, he sends Timothy to 1 Corinthians. I'll send you some help. Timothy gets there, and the problem's much bigger than they thought. It's so out of hand that these people, this immoral people have gotten into the church and have taken over the church and they have called Paul every name under the sun. He's liberal. He's immoral. He's, so, he's all this stuff. Timothy gets word to Paul in Ephesus saying, uh, Paul, it's, it's bad. So bad that Paul makes a quick trip to Corinth, leaves Ephesus and says, I got to go. Gets there and scholars call it the painful visit. So painful that it gets almost to blows. Paul's insulted to his face. It gets, I mean, you talk about an ugly church business meeting. You ever, been in, you ever been to a church with an ugly business meeting? Some of you are lying. Okay? It, it, it was one of those that the whole town went, they're about to erupt. It was so bad, Paul had to run. Paul leaves and goes back to Ephesus so frustrated, he writes another letter that the New Testament doesn't have, and they call it, the severe letter. And I mean, he must have unloaded on them. And he sends it. Well, things get out of hand in Ephesus. As you read Acts, you know that Paul's there at the theater. Remember in Acts where Paul and the, and the shrine, the, the folks are upset with Paul because He's talked about them. They can't, you know, they're, they're wanting their God, Artemis, great as Artemis, and he's like, that's no God at all. And they stir up the town and rush the town into the theater, and great is Artemis. And Paul's like, well, let me go in and talk to the whole people. And they're like, no, Paul, listen, you're taking your own life in your own hands. It's like, it's, it's like the preacher wanting to talk to the WMU about moving rooms. It's like, you're, you don't need to do that. You need to move on. So, they send Paul out of town. 
Paul had sent that severe letter with Titus. So Paul meets Titus in Troas and says, hey, I want to see how that severe letter turned out. Titus says, Paul, they've repented. They've realized what you said was right. But Paul, being a wise man, said, I don't need to go to Corinth just yet. Because as much as they've repented, I know that the, the fire is still smoldering. And if I show up, those who are crying to start, start trouble will create more problems. Let me send another letter. So Paul writes his fourth letter, which is 2 Corinthians. And that's how we get to 2 Corinthians this morning. And I want you to understand that background because if you don't understand that background, when you get to this text and you get to the God of comfort, you don't quite grasp all that. You just think, oh, Paul just talks about God of comfort. But you don't understand that the pain that he's gone through. You don't get the pain that this church has caused him. A friend of mine calls this church a goat rodeo. Who would want to pastor a church like this? But Paul, finding comfort from God, turns to comfort the people. Look with me at the text. Let's just take it apart this morning. Beginning in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. First thing I want you to catch this morning is God is a God of comfort. God is a God of comfort. In the midst of all that's going on, in the midst of trials, and in the midst of uneasiness, God comforts his people. God is one who, who reaches out and, and provides comfort. Ron and Joke Jones were missionaries with Christian Ministry Alliance in the Middle East. While they were there, they were in a, a time of uneasiness. Bombshells were going off. They were beginning to wonder why in the world were they, what, what was going on? And they were trying to figure out. And then one day their friend who's also a missionary in another part sent them a note and said the other day and all the the shooting and the bombshells going off they were in an area they saw a shepherd with his sheep and every time the bombshells would go off the sheep would panic and the shepherd would walk to each sheep and take his staff and 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 speak and put the his staff on the sheep and the sheep would calm down He'd go to the next sheep as it was, was upset and afraid. He would call the sheep by name and, and touch it, and he'd calm down. And that, that friend of theirs said, I, I begin to realize God, who is our great shepherd, does the same to us in the midst of our storms. 
who reaches out, calls us by name, and calms us down when we are in the midst of our storm. I think that's what Paul experienced at this moment. In the midst of this church that you can call a goat rodeo, Paul could have thrown his hands up, but God reached out and touched him and said, no, Paul, no, Paul, hang in there. Look at verse four. He comforts us in all our afflictions. All our afflictions. All. He doesn't say some. He doesn't say a few. All our afflictions. What does he leave out there? He doesn't leave out any. Well, it leads me to the second thing we know. God promises to comfort. There is a promise to comfort. Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to what? Harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Look at verse four again. We're gonna jump to four. For he comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort, catch this, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction though the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as the suffering of Christ overflows to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. Flows. Look at verse 5. For just as the suffering of Christ overflows to us, so that also Christ, our comfort overflows. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patience, endurance, and the same suffering that we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that as you share in the suffering, so you will also share in the comfort. Catch this. There is a promise or a purpose. God's comfort has a purpose. God's God's comfort has a purpose. When he comforts us, he has a purpose to do so. Now, it's not the only reason God comforts us, but there's, there's a purpose behind it, and that purpose is for you and for me that we would also be willing to comfort others. I mean, as I said earlier, there are things that you've gone through that I've never experienced. And so I can't help people walk through something that you can. I can't speak the language that you can because I've never lost a spouse. I've never had cancer. I, I've, never, I've never lost a job. I've never been addicted to something, unless it's my wife. Uh, Cheetos, yeah, I can, yeah, if, if, if you're addicted to Cheetos, we can have a, we can have a meeting. <laughs> I'll bring the Cheetos. <laughs> you see what I'm getting at? If, if you've 
if you've been there and you've been able to overcome, which I'll never overcome Cheetos, let's just, you know. If, if you've been there and you've overcome, God's given you an opportunity to help somebody. He's blessed you with the ability to help somebody. Don't miss that. He didn't just help you get through it. He's helped you to, to walk through it so that you can be a blessing to somebody else. Don't, don't forget that. Walk, look for opportunities. I know it's painful, and I'm certain that the first time you begin to have a conversation to help somebody, it will be painful. But realize God's given you the comfort to help somebody. Fourth thing I want you to catch from this text is God comforts. God's comfort is all we need. God's comfort is all we need. Look at verses 8 and 10. So we don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters. Our affliction that took place in Asia, we were completely overwhelmed. Anybody ever been overwhelmed? In the midst of your storm, overwhelmed? Don't know how you were going to make it? How do we get by this? How are we going to survive? What do we do? How do we, how do we get through this? We were completely overwhelmed beyond our strength so that we were in despair of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death so that we would not trust in ourselves but in God who raised the death. Talking with people through difficult times, they said, I don't know how to, I don't know how to go on. It's almost like they've experienced the death sentence themselves. I don't know how. This week I kept telling somebody one day at a time. One day at a time. Zig Ziglar. Um, I always like Zig Ziglar on all his lines. Zig Ziglar uh, said one of the hardest times in his life was when he lost his daughter. He said, uh, it was the most difficult time in his life when he had to, uh, 24 hours, he was having to work out the funeral plans with her husband and his parents. He said, I kept sitting there listening to a guy who probably said it um, 13, 14 times that he's not a salesman. He kept telling me he's not a salesman, but, you know, we're trying to plan her funeral, and he kept telling us what he's not a salesman, but what all we needed he said, at some point, I just had to get up and walk out. I was just so frustrated. Had to get up and walk out of the room. I was just overwhelmed. And he said, I went home that night and laid down, just struggling with everything that I was going through, all the emotions I was feeling of losing my daughter. And he said, in the middle of the night, I was having this dream, and I just... Kept thinking my daughter was thinking, when is my daddy going to come get me? And, and then all of a sudden he said, I just had this, 
had this voice in me. He said, I just had this piece about that said, she's fine. She's okay. You just need to keep walking. You just need to keep talking. You just need to keep praying. You just need to keep crying. You just need to keep going. Friends, there are moments in our life that we don't know what to do. But let me remind you, God is all we need. And until we come to that moment to realize that he is all we need, anything we do is going to fall short. We are going to continue to fall, fall hard until we trust in him. So let me give you three things. And I know if you're watching us on EPB, we're going to lose you in just a second. But let me give you three things. One, um, what are you dealing with that you need to give to God? Some of you this morning are dealing with some things that you're grieving and you're struggling that you, it, you've been dealing with this a long time. You need to give it up and give it to God. You've been trying it all on your own, and if you don't stop and give it to God, you'll never get over it. The pain, the agony you've been struggling with for some time has eaten away at you so long. A child, a spouse hurt you. Someone, someone said they loved you forever and walked away from you. An employer did you wrong. Whatever the case may be, you just need to come to grips with it and, and give it over to God. Listen, Paul, Paul did nothing wrong to the church at, at Corinth. They did all the wrong. And Paul had every right to walk away and say, see ya. Go ahead and burn and I'll let you go. But he had to come and, and give it over to God. And God led him right back. You need to give it over to God. Second thing is, uh, what have you been through that God wants to, to use to help someone else? What have you been through that God wants to help someone else? Some of you have been through some difficult stories. The thing about this church is I love is that there's a spirit in this church that, that wants to love on people and help people. And people have been through some, some stories here. And some of you maybe have been through some things and you need to help. And there, there may be somebody here today who go, I need some help. And, and, and there might be somebody right here today who can help you. But you need to be willing to say, I need help. And, and then there's somebody here that says, I've got the help you need. But you've got to be willing to take that first step. This morning, if that's you, if you need some help, as, as we leave this morning, you go right out these doors. One of the things you all may not know about Mike Thomason, he holds a counseling degree. He'd love to help you or get you help. And point you in the right direction. The third takeaway this morning is, what are you struggling to find comfort because, are you struggling to find comfort because you've never trusted in Christ? Maybe you've never trusted in Christ and you're, you haven't found the true comfort because you're finding it in all sorts of places. Listen, people find, people try to find comfort in the bottle, in the pill, 
in people, you're never going to find comfort there. Oh, you can get numb. You can get lost in emotion. But you'll never find comfort. You'll never find happiness. You'll never find peace. You'll only find that in Jesus Christ. Because here's the thing. You think you can find comfort and peace in a person? I'll let you down. I promise I'll let you down. I won't intend to let you down, but I'll let you down. I'll, I'll, listen, I'll drop a ball. I'll forget something. People, people forget. People let you down. People will hurt your feelings. It's just the way we are. But God won't. God will love you. God will forgive you. God will comfort you. God will give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. This morning, if you don't know Jesus, we invite you to come to know Christ. The greatest relationship you can ever have by trusting in the Lord today. If you're watching us online or listening to a podcast or watching us on YouTube or Facebook, you can call us at 270-681-2363, 270-681-2363. If you're in the room this morning, in just a second as we sing our hymn of invitation, you can come this morning and make a decision here at the altar or following our service. You can go right out these doors and Mike and JJ will be out there. They'd love to talk to you or I'll be on this side and I'd love to talk to you. But today, find comfort in the only one who can give you comfort, God Almighty. Would you stand with me?